It's Wednesday, April 22nd, and we are studying 2 Peter. We're still in chapter 1. Let's get a look at the context again. We've dealt with here on the Holy Mountain. We're talking about the transfiguration where the voice was heard. This is my beloved son. And then we started this sentence here that the prophetic word is more fully confirmed, or at least it's more confident that we have that confidence in a written objective word to which you do well to pay attention. Of course, that's the whole point, right? For us to hear the authoritative voice of God. It's like a lamp shining in the darkness, lamp to our feet, light to our path, till the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart, a poetic way to talk about the second coming of Christ. And uh, I think certainly implies the idea of intimacy and closeness and uh, the revelatory nature of us knowing him even in our own lives. Now here's our verse for today. Knowing this, that first of all, we should always pay attention to these kinds of things. That's why we're going to spend our whole time just on this one phrase here. Uh, the importance of that no prophecy, no prophecy of Scripture, the writings here, comes from someone's own interpretation. So that's all we'll deal with today right here. Basically one line. First of all, no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. Now, again, just the idea of first of all, of first importance. We get that kind of phrase in the literary text of Scripture. We know that what's being said is the importance of someone saying you've got to stop and stand back and take a look at the nature of what is being said, the priority of what's being said. And in this case, uh, it comes down to the claim of Scripture itself. Um, scripture, we need to know what we're dealing with. I put it this way. When it comes down to it, we got to know what we're evaluating. He's just said, I saw Jesus on the mountain being transfigured. I heard the voice. But listen, we've got a more sure word than that, the written scripture. And then he says, listen, we got to know what we're dealing with when we're talking about the prophecy of scripture and, and, and the utter importance of seeing scripture, the writings as something um, superlative to anybody's testimony, anyone's words, anyone's opinions. And of course, that's where it's going. It's not a matter of one's own interpretation. Interpretation of what? Well, interpretation of uh, of God, thinking through what God thinks or what God is. Now, I often say, you're probably sick of hearing it, but if you've heard me teach for a while, you know that I like to say that the Bible is not man's best thoughts about God, but it's God's thoughts on paper. And that idea of man, not, not man's best thoughts about God is exactly what this, is, this text is getting to. It's the idea, first of all, you need to know what the truth claim is, what the biblical truth claim is. It's not claiming to be, here's our best guess about God, or here's the here's our insights into God. Almost every book you read, think about it, almost every book you read about any topic on any subject is really saying, here's the best thoughts about this thing. And let me help you understand this thing. As opposed to the revelatory nature of Scripture, the writings of Scripture being God presenting his thoughts on paper, which is where we're going to go tomorrow in verse number 21. But the, the debates every time about truth is always going to come back to who says. And so we want to make sure that we understand what the Bible is saying about who says, and that is that the prophecy of Scripture, and I guess we could deal with that word here, back to our text here, the prophecy of scripture, prophecy. Um, the Old Testament Hebrew word nabi uh, is the Hebrew word that denotes the, the idea of a mouthpiece, a conduit. Uh, the Bible, right, is the product of God using uh, individual prophets. Uh, some 40 of them in Scripture uh, over a period of time. The writing prophets, plenty of speaking prophets, but the writing prophets that that inscribed and codified the teaching of God's word on paper, that God has utilized these people to get 
his message out. Prophecy, a mouthpiece, the prophecy of writings, of the scriptures. Tographe, the word that translates here is scripture. That's the idea. Um, graphics, we get the word from it. Um, the the, the um, telegraph, uh, graphe means something that's in writing. And that's the great thing about the truth of scripture, the objective nature of written prophecy. Um, let's just look at how that's put in various passages in the scripture. I've thrown several out here, but let's just look at these two real quick. In Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, he says, We thank God constantly for this, that when you receive the word of God, and just a great word here, you receive the word of God, you embraced it. Uh, when you heard it from us, you accepted it. This is a great Greek word I talk about all the time, dekomai. Uh, you embraced it. Uh, like Simeon, the same word used for when he picks up the baby Jesus on the Temple Mount, uh, not as the word of men. It's not like this is God's, uh, I'm sorry, men's thoughts about any topic, right? And when Paul rolls into town and gives them this message about the coming wrath of God and how to be saved from it by putting your trust in Christ, he says, it's not the word, it's not the teaching, it's not the corpus of information from men, but you accepted it, you embraced it for what it really is, and that is it's, it's the word of God which is at work in you believers. We always uh, use that phrase regarding the Bible, and it's a great phrase. We just need to slow down and think about what we're saying. We're talking about this being the Word of God. It is the words of God. God is communicating through those writing prophets, and the product that is put down on paper, as we'll see tomorrow, was something that the Holy Spirit oversaw and governed to give us His message. Uh, how about this one? 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 8. Therefore, whoever disregards this, even Paul as he's writing these things, he says, disregards not man, but God, because it's God's message who gives you his Holy Spirit, which Paul makes a big point in 1 Corinthians about the fact that he is, as an apostle and a prophet, he's writing these things to them as a conduit of God's information. As we're going to see in 2 Peter, Peter recognizes the fact that Paul, an apostle, is writing God's word, scripture. He talks about Paul's writings and saying that uh, people distort it like they do the rest of the tographe, the rest of the scriptures, the written scriptures. Uh, the claim of scripture is so important. Here's a, here's a good word that God has not only saying that these are my thoughts on paper, these are my words through the prophets, but they're, um, they're written all the way down to the very letters that are written in the Old Testament. Matthew chapter 5, verse 17 and 18. Do not think that I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. That's the phrase that is used to describe the whole of the Old Testament, the law and the prophets. I have come not to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not, here's two interesting words, not an iota or a dot, will pass from the law until all is accomplished. If you have an old translation or you think about your uh, the way you first might have heard this, a jot or a tittle, um, those are the kinds of, of words here. Of course, this is in Greek trying to represent an idea of the very small aspects of the Hebrew letters. Uh, you might have heard it as the seraphs and the yoths. Uh, let's take a closer look at that just by making sure we understand what that means, the iota um, or the jot or the... Uh, seraph or the yoth. Let's first start with the yoth, since that's a little bit bigger. Uh, here's here's our theme theme song, our theme verse for our church, uh, Psalm forty three three. Um, uh, send forth your light in your truth. Well, we don't need to read the verse, but you know. But let me just get into the details here of uh, yoths. Let's pick out a few yoths in this. These little tiny letters, they're the smallest consonants here in Scripture. The yoths. I got a few of them here. See them. That's the smallest letter that we've got. And that's one thing, but here, I wanna show you a seraph, uh, or mark as it says in, in, uh, 
Matthew chapter 5, not uh, an iota or a dot, I guess is how it's put. But look at uh, serifs is how we use it. Even we talk about the difference between a font like a Times New Romans font and a Helvetica font or an Arial font. Uh, some are smooth and some are have bumps. Well, the difference in Hebrew is huge. Um, here's the word for mountain here, uh, hor. And you see this is a, a resh, and it doesn't have any bump there. And this is how it, it looks in Hebrew. Okay, well, over here is a dalit in gadosh, or gadosh da, the form of it here, the word for holy. But see that little bump there? The difference between a resh and a dalit is that little piece right there. Um, you can see the difference. Maybe find some others between hey and hate. Um, we're missing a little gap right there. And then we've got it filled in here. Those are two different Hebrew letters. Those little distinctions is all that Jesus is trying to say in a very emphatic and poetic way. There's nothing in the scriptures, in the written scriptures, that are going to pass away until it's all fulfilled. Heaven and earth will pass away before uh, you know any part of the scripture is going to pass away. It's all God's relevant, eternally true truth. Uh, there may be seasons of applicability, obviously, uh, like the ceremonial law, or maybe some direct command that's recorded to someone in scripture that applying to someone else. But the words itself, the Bible says, all the way down to the letters. Uh, is what God has given to us. I know that opens up a variety of questions and we can deal with those in our Q&A sections, but I just want to show you that God is saying, I've given you this prophetic word. It's not just someone musing about God, it's God speaking to us in the text. And he's always telling us, look at these passages here, Matthew chapter 19, verse four, he says, you got to read it. Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female? I mean, even that should be, we should be done with all the gender confusion and gender fluidity and the transgender stuff of our day because the Bible is very clear and Jesus said it here. You, you just read, all you have to do is read the text of Scripture. Here he's dealing with the topic of marriage, but certainly in it is uh, embedded in it the topic of gender. And he says, you should have read it. Or how about this in Mark chapter 12? The Sadducees were refusing to believe in a bodily resurrection. And he says, you guys, as for the dead being raised, have you not read? Don't you read it? You got to read it. It's there. It's propositional. It's in black and white. It's objective truth in the book of Moses. Uh, in the passage about the bush, how God spoke to him saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And he said, you ought to know this. It's something here, we can talk about the actual issue. But the point is, in the scripture, you ought to be able to read it. Read it to be able to determine what happens after life. In this case, even in the Old Testament, where a lot of the information about the afterlife uh, is scant and, and obscure at times, he says, there's enough there for you to get. And certainly in the New Testament, we have some so much more information about so many other topics. But again, I'm just getting back to the idea here of you read it, read it. It's in writing. And those words of Scripture, that prophecy of Scripture, the mouthpiece of God that is there embedded in written Scripture is what we need to give our attention to. Uh, and it comes from no one's interpretation. It's not David saying these things or Isaiah saying these things or Moses saying these things, which again, we say that because all of it bears the marks of the uh, the human authors, right? They, the, the styles and the vocabulary and the syntax and all the things that we see in the grammar, we can you know certainly track how Luke uses Greek, for instance, and how John uses Greek in the New Testament. But we, what we have to see is the end product, we'll talk more about this tomorrow, is all of God's governing work to get his message in writing. Take a look at this. In Acts chapter 1, and though we might say Peter says this, or Paul says this, or uh, the writer of Hebrews says this, we've got to remember the ultimate author of all this. Brothers, the scripture, there it is, the writings, had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit, here's the object right here, 
of this sentence here. He spoke. The Holy Spirit spoke. But he did it by the mouth. Here's the agency of David. So we might read something in the Psalms and say, well, that's David. What David said, not all the Psalms written by David, but many of them. But what we need to realize is that here's how the Scripture is to be understood. And when Peter's up here quoting the Scriptures, the, the, the important thing is he knows that the ultimate authorship is found in God. Take a look at this passage, Acts chapter 28, verse 25. And disagreeing among themselves, they departed after Paul had made one statement. And here's the statement he made. The Holy Spirit was right in saying. Who said it? The Holy Spirit said it. Here's the subject. Oopsie, sorry. Let's get back. Here is the subject right here of this, of this verb. It was the Holy Spirit who was saying, right, he was right in saying, to your fathers, right, those who came before you, through, now here's the agency again, through Isaiah the prophet, the mouthpiece of God. And then he quotes the passage that Isaiah wrote. Isaiah wrote it, but who said it? God said it. The Holy Spirit said it. That is so important for us to catch, is that the product is a product, though it uses the means of human authors, the product is God's voice on paper. Um, let's take a look at this. Romans chapter 1, same idea here. Paul, servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God. Here's the subject. God, verse 2, which he promised beforehand, and he did it agency through the prophets in the Holy Scriptures. So the product that we read, the Holy Scriptures, right, we know has the marks of the agency of the prophets, but we realize that the author is God. That changes everything about the way we deal with the Scripture. Knowing this first of all, that's how our passage starts, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20. You've got to know this is so important that no writings, no prophecy of the writings, no, no mouthpiece of God in those writings comes from someone sitting around and saying, here's what I should Here's what you should think about God. Here's what you should think about God. These are not the musings of holy men. These, these are the words the Bible says, the assertion is of God. And as we said earlier on in this, in this study, you, you've got to have the same trilemma applied to Scripture as we do to Christ. It's either absolutely deceptive, that it claims to be something it's not, or these guys were lunatics, they thought something that wasn't true, or it is, in fact, God's Word. And I think there's enough evidence, as we've seen in prophetic writings, as we even saw yesterday, to remind us that only God could write this. Men could not write it. And I guess in summary, there's no better way to just summarize this all than to go to Jesus's words in John chapter 10. Scripture cannot be broken. It cannot be undone. It cannot be in any way unraveled. It is a word, a corpus of information from God, a body of work, a divine library through 40 authors in 14, 1500 years that God was using these prophets to put this library of information together for us. One more, just remember this was given to a generation in Luke 24 verse 25 that did not have uh, pocket New Testaments. They weren't carrying around laptops with Bible applications on them, didn't have phones in their pocket with the Bible on it. And yet he says to people that weren't reading and understanding the Bible, he says, oh, foolish ones. You don't ever want to be called foolish, but here it is. Oh, foolish ones, Jesus says, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. And again, that's shorthand, but we know as we've seen earlier, it's the Holy Spirit that speaks these things. It's God that speaks these things. God is the one who's the ultimate author behind it, but he's saying, you guys need to believe it. As we saw, as Jesus addressed the Sadducees, you got to read it. You got to take it to heart. 
So our passage today, very short, it's in the middle of this sentence, the end of the sentence, knowing first of all of primary importance, no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. So read the Bible today, read it with great respect. It's fun to study it here with you. I wanna make sure you comment on it and you subscribe and we'll see you back tomorrow to study more of 2 Peter chapter one.